Episode 32 of Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Today we're going to be touching on V8 supercars. For one of my mates coming on, David Reynolds. Me and Dave first met last year. He came on my podcast, the Vision, my other podcast, the Vision Board Podcast. So I thought, with you know, Bathurst just around the corner. It'd be great just to see what he's up to. He's had a great year this year. You know, he, he changed into the Erebus racing team last year after finishing third the year before. So last year, it's a bit of a settling period. I think he finished 15th or 16th last season, but he's well back into that top 10 now. I think he's coming 8th currently on the ladder, which, you know, going into that end of season, it's going to be great to see, you know, it's already great to see the progress that he's made, but I really think that, you know, Dave is a top 5 driver, and I think he's going to be there for a long, long time. It's a great chat. I really love his personality. He's got plenty of stories. He's a little bit different to what I've found with some of the other V8 supercar drivers. You know, Dave's got plenty of personality. He backs himself, and I really love that part of him. Before we get Dave on the show, just a big shout-out to everyone tuning in, leaving me five-star reviews on iTunes. I really appreciate it. If you haven't yet, please log on to your iTunes account or your podcast app on your iPhone, and just simply search Talking With TK. There's a review section. If you can just hit the review section, leave me a five-star review really helps me just be seen more in the rankings and I can reach more people. If you've got any feedback on the show, please send them through at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com or you can connect with me, either Talking With TK or Tristan Cannell on Facebook. On Instagram, I'm Tristan Nell or T Nell Fitness on Twitter. But let's get straight to it. I introduce David Reynolds. Alright guys, my special guest is V8 supercar driver, David Reynolds. Dave drives a Holden for the Erebus racing team and he's currently ranked 8th in the championship ladder. I welcome back my man, David Reynolds. Dave, welcome back mate. Thanks Tristan, thanks for having me back. (laughs) Mate, it's an absolute pleasure, you know. We should have been earlier. I've been meaning to get in contact with you for months and months but I just keep getting jammed back. But it's a good thing because... Erebus Racing, man, you went, you know, like we talked about before you got on the air, you know, you were 16th last year, third place to finish the year, which was a good good finish, and you've brought that form yep. kind of into 2017, man. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, like, like last year was a, when you look at it, our, our team's only really two years old, or, you know, a year and a half kind of thing. So when you first rock up at the start of last year, it was just an absolute shit fight, you know, there was wheels, not wheels falling off at it per se, but, you know, we just didn't have any structure in place. Everyone was really new. Um, but, you know, 12 months on, everyone knows their position. No one's really left the team that's of any key value. Um, we've got a really smart engineer now um, that we got we got on from Bathurst last year, so from October last year. So he's almost been here for 12 months. And, you know, we're just building, building and building. And it's been been a really funny year this year because in the category um you know you get you get your your your, your djr cars have come a lot um so they're really really fast um this year because they've basically taken the triple eight engineer if anyone follows motorsport that's not they can't understand triple eight's always been sort of the the best team in pit lane for the last 10 or 10 or 11 years Yep. And there was one key person there. His name was Ludo Lacroix, and he was this French engineer guy, super, 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 super smart. And they basically poached him, and ever since they've got him on board, DJR started going, or Team Penske, or whatever they're called, started going really good. So um, it's been, and, it's, and in the category itself, we've changed the tyre. The tyre's like half an inch wider. And the edges of the tire are a little bit square instead of being rounded like the old tire was last year. Yeah. So that's Does been everyone do the same, a, Dave? 
yeah, everyone everyone has the same sort of shit. So it's been a little bit different to drive on and set your car up on as well. So how the how the tire reacts to the road and how we feel the feedback through the steering wheel is a little bit different. So it's just everyone getting you know getting to grips with it. But yeah, mate, to be to be eighth in the championship is awesome. Um, considering I was 16th last year, and yeah, yeah, it's good. In terms of that tire, how long did it take for you to actually adjust? How many like weeks before the actual season start did you knew did you know? Sorry, that you were going to have these adjustments. Um, I'll, for this for this thing, it was such a it's such a big thing for our category and for all the teams. We knew we knew a lot. We knew that it was coming ages ago, but everyone has. Um, you know their own tire data and the way they interpret you know how the tire works and what pressure it works at and what and i don't really understand all the engineering side of it but (laughs) everyone sort of understood what it was going to be different basically and uh, when initially we thought it'd be a little bit different Hmm. and then when we first drove on it we go oh it's kind of the same but not it's a little bit different, but as we've gone into the season, we've figured out that it's it's been a lot different. You know how much camber you can run, how much toe you can run uh, with that type of pressure. You know, and the tyre's been it's been a real um, oh, it's been a you know big ball up in the air for everyone, and that's why it's been really it's been a good year for us. I think we've, yeah, we've that- got a really smart engineer that's sort of understood everything from the word go and. And yeah, we've been capitalising on it. Yeah, with with the engineer between the two of you, and also you know obviously team owners and your teammate as well. How much communication do you guys have, kind of on a daily basis? Oh, me and Al Al McVean's my uh, engineer. He's, he comes from HRT, so he's been he was at old HRT for mm. I don't know twelve years or something. So he started as a junior there and worked his way up, and you know he ran like Tanda Courtney. Uh, maybe Scaife, I think, maybe. Um, but yeah, so he moved to our team end of Oct- or start of October last year, and yeah, I'm constantly in contact with him most days, just talking shit and <laughs> and just going like, you know, oh, you know, we tried this, we tried that, that you know, different front roll bar or different rear roll bar last round, and you know, we should pull up the data and have a look at it and just compare it with other stuff, and we're always talking just rubbish recently but like today I was at the workshop um, just trying to figure out my seat insert for the Enduros because I've got a, a new co-driver in Luke Yulden who's just a slightly bit different shape than me he's you know a little bit taller and a little bit more solid so it's just it's just a compromise it's just a pain in the ass to make it seats and stuff it's just it sucks man but yeah we're constantly in communication and especially over the weekend where we're always talking to each other. <laughs> Even during the race, we're always talking to me. Right. I'm not talking back, though. Can you talk back? Can you actually yeah, talk I, back? I, I can, yeah, I can talk back, but my my, my, well, my line of thought is that he can't actually help me with anything. <laughs> I'm in there dealing with things myself, and he's telling me information about the race, and you know, there's not a lot I can say back unless it's you know car handling or, you know, I think, this guy's struggling or, you know, it's just, it's really, really simple talk and straight to the point. But, you know, I've heard you actually talk about how good the culture is there at Erebus and, you know, you did just say, yeah, yeah you talk shit, but that's all kind of part of it, right? Can we talk a little bit about how good the culture <laughs> is at, at your new team? Yeah, man, yeah. Like, our culture's fantastic. It's, there's a lot of young kids, a lot of, uh, and because I've always been part of, I suppose, when I look at it, I've always been part of bigger teams with like 50, 60, 70 people deep. Our team's only got 18 people. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of get to know everyone a bit more personally and highlights all their personalities slightly differently. And I don't know, I just really enjoy it. And Betty, my team owner, you know, she she's really passionate about motor racing and she doesn't she doesn't do this to make money. She, do, she does this to try and win and have a good time. So... You know, as long as we're trying to win and have a good time, that's what racing's about, I think. Yeah, hell yeah. It's, How do you really cool. go celebrate? Really cool. Yeah. How do we celebrate? Uh, probably jump on a plane and come back home. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, sometimes, like if if we stay over, like 
you know, some of the longer ones like Darwin or Townsville, sometimes we stay over and we all go out to the pub and stuff. But, yeah, rarely these days, rarely. I'd like to do that a lot more, but I'm always too knackered after the long races. Yeah, I can I'm always too knackered. Hey, Dave, I've, been planning, I've been planning to take the boys out for ages to try and shout them some beers and stuff. Are you kind of like the team captain, Dave? The team captain? Not really. Even though I probably I probably should be, I always see the team manager, which is his name's Barry Ryan. Uh, he's kind of the team captain. He kind of calls the shots and and um, he pays the bills also. <laughs> but I suppose there's no there's no real team captain. There's so there's there's so many aspects to our sport, and every every person in our team has a certain position that is vital to the team. You know, the engineer is super 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 important. And he determines the strategy of the car um, and the performance of the car, which is he's responsible for. I'm partly responsible for that too, but I'm only giving him information to go off to try and make the best decision for the car itself. And then you know, I mean, there's just so many different parts to our team. There's a you know the tire guy, the, the couple of mechanics, um, mate. There's the data engineer. The, the mate, this is crazy. The tire guy at the back who drives a truck as well, um, who marks and and logs, categorises all the tires that run on the car, and you know they categorise where they've been used before, how many k's they've done, how much tread is left, how much tread is left left on the tire itself, um, heaps of stuff. It's just every, every part is so important. It's like yes. a um, it's like a cake, I suppose. Someone described this to me, and I thought it was pretty cool like a cake you know you got your eggs butter sugar flour um and they all go in to make a cake and it tastes great when they're all together but if you try and take one ingredient out it tastes like shit yeah Does that <laughs> that's, a, that's a good analogy man yeah for sure yeah hey david have you ever heard... then... okay here you go yeah yeah last week i heard a great interview it was mark weber and he was with mark uh He's with, with, he was on this podcast called The Howie Games. It was a two-part series, and he was talking about his relationship with Sebastian Vettel. Have you ever heard him speak about this? A little bit, yeah. Go on. Yeah, and he was speaking about, well, obviously, when they were at Red Bull together, you know, Sebastian was heavily favoured. So a lot, of the team, a lot of the team manoeuvres and the strategy was kind of all focused on Sebastian winning races and not Mark. Yeah. Yes. In, I'm assuming because obviously that's on an international scales, it's a little bit different. With Australian, you know, the way we are in Australia, I can't really see that happening to the same extent. But in your own experiences, is there an occasion where, for example, that one of the more experienced drivers gets to call the shots over a less experienced driver? Well, it's, it's, it definitely happens here in Australia, I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> 100% it happens. But it's not... It's not it's not the driver's call. It's more the team management call. Okay. Say so if like uh, just for instance, my team, I'm if I'm going for the championship or something, and, and Dale, my teammate, he might be twentieth in the championship. They'll always try and favour me to try and score okay. the maximum amount of points for the end of the year to have our best 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 chance at winning races and and winning the championship. So I can understand you would have been that, in that but, situation yourself too when you were coming through. Oh, definitely. I was 100% in that situation. And I've been in that situation most of my life until I got to this team. Okay. And that's how, probably how another that reason why I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty shit. You feel pretty bad, but yeah, I think that's just kind of racing. That's just how it always has been. If, generally, most teams always try and put all their eggs in one basket. And then if it doesn't work out, they've got another backup car. In case stuff goes wrong, and that's how it's always been. Um, especially like when you talk F1 and the, those Red Bull cars. Well, they were always they were winning one and two, weren't they? For ages, they were always one and two. Mm, yeah. But they always the team always knew that. I suppose Metal was their best chance of winning because I don't know he was the most consistent performer, and I don't know. There's probably many different reasons why, but they always try and favour one person more than the other. Yeah, just, so, just it's just always been like that. It's it's stupid. It's so stupid, <laughs> but it's just always been like that. Yeah, Dave, you personally, 
you know, as now a senior driver, what do you look for in a good teammate? And then at the same time, you mentioned Dale before, as you trying to be a good teammate, what sort of things do you like to like to do to make sure that he's sort of comfortable as well? Um, so, yeah, as a... I've been in the sport for a while now. Um, as a teammate, you want a fast teammate that can push out, but, you know, that has really good feedback and knowledge of the sport. You know, I think that's very, very key. Yep. Um, and, you know, really good attitude, someone who doesn't get people offside in your team, because if you start getting people offside, it's sort of, even though it might be on the other side of the garage, it kind of affects your side of the garage too, because it drags everyone down. So, you know, they have to have a good personality and be a good pers- personable person. That's a lot of persons in that sentence, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I suppose someone that races well, yeah, pushes you hard and and gives you good good feedback and you can try different setups. Like if we rock up to the track together, and we've got the same setup, and they go down one direction with, you know, new parts, and I go down the other direction with new parts. We can rely on their feedback to say if it was better or worse, and then come qualifying, you try and meet in the middle and put your best car forward. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Does Does Dale also live in Melbourne? Yeah, Dale is in Lilydale in Melbourne, which is miles out, but it's still called Melbourne. <laughs> Do you take in kickboxing, man? I, I do actually. Just started two weeks ago. Yeah, I reckon that's a good it. bonding thing, all right, for the team. Yeah, yeah. We go down to old hammers in Nunawading and smash it out. It's really good. I love doing that. And I think he's just he's just kind of got the bug for it, so he wants to do it more and more. You been doing much sparring? No, nah, not really. I've been a bit of a pussy lately. Have you? <laughs> but you've been going to the fights, eh? Yeah, yeah, I'd try and go, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about going to USC Sydney in November. Oh, yeah, let me know. Me yeah. and Johnny might come with you. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Be a bit of fun. I think Mark Hunt's headlining, because Johnny's ex-girlfriend, he, her cousin's fighting on that, Alex. So I think we might might sit to see if we can go. Yeah, cool. I love USC. I think it's the coolest sport. It's so it brutal and raw. Oh, mate, killed it. It. Was it ever a doubt? Jesus, how big was uh, old mate that he fought? But he was an absolute. You're right. What's his name? Romero. You're Romero. Romero. That's you. Yeah. Well, how many stories do you want to take in your life? <laughs> oh my God! How big was his traps? He's probably traps are bigger scary. than you put together. He's this juice neck. We call that juice neck. Oh, big time! Can you imagine you, touching you gloves it. with him? Scariest, scariest person I've ever seen in my life. I reckon. <laughs> How do you like out of that Bisping and GSP fight, mate? Oh, yeah, it doesn't bother me. It's not really much for me. Rob's in a good situation, though. He'll get a big money fight, whoever he fights. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, I think he's, he should have a crack before old GSP does. I think he's on injured reserve. Oh, is he, is he, oh, that's right. Yeah, he's, he's done his yeah. knee. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was kind of, it was, he was all banged up after that fight. That's right. Yeah. Dave, you still going to sports psychologist, man? Yeah, I still go. I just saw Noel today, actually, Noel Blundell. Um, But not as much as I probably need to. I don't need to as much anymore. Not as mental as I once was. (laughs) Yeah. When you sit down with them, like, I haven't been to one before. Like, is it... Is it just sports that you focus on, or do you bring, come in and you bring personal into it as well? How does it go, Dave? Mate, it, 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 they they talk about everything with you. I suppose yeah. it depends what you need. They they I suppose they uh, they might accustom their their program to you. But the one I go to, it's um, we talk a little bit of stuff like that, and just general approach of the weekend and your attitude and whatnot. Attitude's always very important. That's the only thing you can really have control on is your attitude. But we also do like, um, it's like this light reaction thing. He's got this like panel in front of you that you have to push and react to a whole bunch of lights. Like there's a single light and then a multi-light and then a multi-multi-light thing that you got to play with. And you got to kind of judge within yourself if you're in the right, you know, that anxiety curve they always talk yeah. about. If you're too anxious, 
how you perform. And if you're too flat, how you perform, you always got to try and figure out how to get yourself in that middle zone, in that sweet spot to uh, perform at your best. And they, you can see that in the lights and the times that come up. It's, it's, it's kind of really, it sounds really tricky, but it's actually really basic. <laughs> mm. Dave, when you have a bad performance, a lot of that. like I'm, I'm assuming you probably go to him if you haven't performed as well as you have, but you know, straight after a race, I know that everyone that performs not that great always is a little bit anxious, but do you give it a couple of days and look at the game tape? Like, what's your process for dealing with it? Yeah, so um, that's a good question. So after a race, if I've had a bad performance, what would I do? I would try and, well, most of the time, I would I would come home and pro- probably not try and think about it on the Monday and then try and you know, retrospectively look at it on the Tuesday without any emotion and say what really happened. And then I'd try and write my debrief sheets. So, you know, the team send, me, send us debrief sheets of, you know, competitiveness over the weekend, um, you know, what worked, what didn't. Uh, the you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff on there. And I'll try and fill it out and be as honest as I can and say, you know, I don't, I don't think I did a good job here. I think I fucked up or I might have walked a break and speared off or I didn't get the most out of that set of tyres in qualifying, which gave us a bad position for the start. And we, you know, we didn't, we didn't maximise our race, or we did maximise our race, and that's why we we came forward. Or you know, there's many different things you can can write after the weekend. But yeah, I try and because I generally after a weekend, if I've had a bad one, I'm quite depressed on the Monday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it sucks. It's nothing worse than going slow on in your racing car, or you've had a bad weekend that nothing's really come together. But when you've had yeah. a good weekend, you're kind of on a really big high. And you know you don't you don't have to have a depressive Monday. <laughs> the funny thing is, with our sport, there's there's so um you know there's there's weeks between each one. So you know if you've had a bad run, you kind of carry that feeling onto the next next race, which might be two or three or sometimes four weeks. So you might feel shit-ish for four weeks, which sucks. But yeah, that's just how our game is. But I've I've been quite good at getting over that quickly and you know, not attaching a lot of emotion to that. Even though internally it means everything to me, my sport does, but I try and get over that as quick as I can. Are you big at setting goals and things for yourself, Dave? Um, yes and no. I've always got um, goals that I write down at the start of the year, but that's kind of as far as it goes. But then I've got, like yeah. I suppose, mini goals I have. You know, every every year it's always try and win the championship, but you know, every race might change. You know, you might you might go okay this weekend I'm going to qualify, going to try and qualify in the top five, and race in the top five, and that's my goal. Generally, that's my mate. That's my goal for every race I go to. Because if you always qualify and race in the top five, you'll have a really good championship year. Hmm. And what about when you know something huge happens, like the end of the year, you guys have Bathurst. You know, it's a lot different race to what it is during the season. Does your training yeah. in the lead-up and your preparation change much at all? To be honest, it, it doesn't. My preparation doesn't change from race to race. It's always the same. Um, I always try and do the same thing. So you you download you download um, the previous year's race and you just kind of watch that qualifying in the race and figure out. Um, just you kind of just watch it as a bit of a fan and then and then look back at it and say, okay, this is what they did, this is what they did. They got a they got a big game by pitting early or got a big game by pitting late. Um, and just, just kind of look at it like that. And then, you know, always go see my massage therapist, my chiropractor, make sure my body's all right. You know, I don't I don't have I don't have a lot for out for us it's not it's our sport's not really an athlete sport. It's not like um, USC or something. If I've got a really big fuel tank, or if I've got you know a lot of punching power, I can make through racing. It doesn't work like that. It's, we have we have a very small fitness component and a very 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 large engineering component to the car and mechanical component that makes up. You know, I can't. I always say, 
you know, no matter how fit I am or how strong I am, it, it doesn't fix understeer. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, you know, that's understeer, what I was going to ask you about. The, turn. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you about how hard it is to actually turn it. Like, I've never been in a V8. Well, I've been in a V8, but not to the level of you guys, what you drive. Is it hard to turn? Uh, no, not really. They're, they're quite easy to steer, um, unless the power steering belt comes off or one of the pumps fail, and then it's impossible to fucking move the steering wheel. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> Has that happened like, to literally you? impossible. Yeah, it's happened to me once. At the top of Bathurst, my first qualifying session in 2009, when I was in the Bundaberg Red Car, I was coming through McPhillamy Park, which is, you know, minimum speed's probably 2.15, and it and something got caught in one of the lines of the power steering pump or one of the valves, and it literally just, just locked up the steering wheel and I hit the fence. Oh, Jesus. At, you know, rate of knots, which sucks. So wherever the steering fails is where you go off, basically, because, you know, there's so much camber on the car, there's so much um, caster and stuff that, yeah, it's so, so heavy, you can't you can't move it. And the, the cars are 1,400 kilos. So yeah, so when, when you're but when speed, everything though, works, it's cool. But yeah, sorry, like everything ahead, sorry, when everything works, it, it's all it's all good, um, and you can change you can change the the valve on the power steering pump, and if there's different there's different types of power steering, and you know different um, you know if you run more Ackerman, generally it speeds the steering up, so it might be a little bit quicker. If you run less Ackerman, it slows the steering back, slows the steering down, so you can have more more feel but doesn't turn as good type thing so there's there's so much things you can do like in your front geometry to make a difference on on how your brain perceives you know the front grip feel and and the, and the load and the steering yeah it's a, dave, it's a really really big science our sport <laughs> really big science <laughs> dave when you're out there i know you love the sport but in the heat of everything that happens, do you ever get the opportunity just to have a smile and have a bit of a laugh while you're out there? Not really. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, very, very rarely, like in a race or qualifying, that I'd, I kind of have a laugh or chuckle to myself. <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> you do, like if something stupid happened, if two cars crash together, and then I'm like, oh, that's old mate, he's always crashing into people, and I kind of laugh at it like that. Or, you know, if someone's trying to be a dickhead on the track and you get past them and you kind of laugh at that, but not not really, man. It's pretty pretty much business when when, when you're at the racetrack. But yeah, also, also the track, about... like when we're, when we're sitting in the in the transporter, hanging out, we're always laughing and giggling and looking up stupid stuff on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask always. you about passing, like the strategy of passing, because it must be so risky, especially at... A level where you've got twenty six guys, where they you know, the difference in skill isn't really that much. Yeah. yeah. So, in terms of you trying to overtake someone, is there an actual strategy that you use? Oh well, the simple strategy of where where I suppose where my car's strong, that's that's a strategy. You got to maximise your strengths, and also where they where they where their car is weak person in front of you so you have to maximize when their car's weak to try and take advantage of it so and there's there's so many different ways to skin a cat but it's basically just having a big go <laughs> yeah you've got to find out where if you get a run on someone um and try and pass them that way or they're stuffed up and then you've got to try and force the issue then but i don't know it's just instinct for most of us because we've been in the sport for racing for since we were kids, so we just kind of know what to do. Some people still stuff it up, and occasionally, you know, you still stuff it up. But um, and also, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of onus on the driver you're passing and their credibility and experience, I suppose, because you can't really lunge someone to, from so from so far back if that person isn't experienced, because they might they might be flat out just trying to drive their car and maximise their own potential without even looking in the mirrors. So if you fire down the inside, they've turned into you and you've had a crash. Yeah. So, you know, there's the, the good thing about our car, like supercars is most, most of the people in there, they're all super experienced and know, know what's going on and they're quite aware of, you know, they've got good spatial awareness, I suppose. But there's no Dave, real strategy. It's just, it's just, I don't know, just have a dig. 
Guys, we'll take a quick little break. I just want to let you know that, you know, if you're really into your V8 supercars, I've had the likes of John Bow and both Greg Murphy on the show before. They're episodes seven and eight. So go back and check them out. There's a host of superstars from cricket guys like Merv Hughes and Damien Fleming of Hinterra Rugby, David Campisi, Leagueys, Andrew Eddinghausen, and likes of Bradley Clyde to come on. So there's something for everyone on there. Go back and check out the back, the back catalogs. I'm sure that you will enjoy it. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show via iTunes. And you can please leave me a five-star review. If you want to get in contact with me, best way is my email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. But let's get back to the show with David. Hey, Dave, was it hard when you first came into the V8s? Because, you know, when you were a junior, you know, you came through driving the Carreras and that, and you you know, yeah. you were up there, you won the championship and you came, I think, a second and third as well. But then you come into supercars, obviously you're not as experienced and you still have to learn the ropes. From winning everything to then having to experiencing losing, how did you go with that? Yeah. <laughs> Mate, it's, it was super, super hard when I first came into the category. Super, super hard. Like, because um, driving Porsches and whatnot, you know, they're left-hand drive, 400 horsepower-ish, um, quite a really good Michelin tyre, quite big, heaps of grip. And then you go into the V8, which is, you know, right-hand drive, 650 horsepower, about half the tyre grip. It just, it's very, very different to drive, and it felt very, very weird for me. And being, being um, the very first race is Adelaide 500, my very first race ever, it was like 40 degrees or something and, you know, it's 72 laps and the, probably the most I've done in a row is probably 20. So I had like four times as many laps to do in a row in a race, which which was ridiculous. <laughs> and, yeah, so my, that, that was my very first race. I weighed myself before the race and after the race and I calculated I lost five and a half kilos of water just from you know, being extra hot, and that's when they ran a different fuel in the car. That's the first first year of that, um, what was that? Oh, it's like uh, E85, ethanol 85% blend, and it yeah. burned a lot a lot hotter and a lot hotter than the standard pump fuel. And the, they ended up moving the um, exhaust further away from the car itself to allow more airflow so it didn't overheat us as much because, you know, my, the pedals got super super hot in the car burn all my feet and Jesus. yeah man it was just when i first came to the category it was it's a really big shocking eye-opening thing and then then i'm trying to understand how to drive it set it up is another thing which is and my man it was just crazy my first year was just out of control i had a uh, a new did engineer did you want to quit was, no never i never wanted to quit i just yeah it just sucked not going well i didn't go well to the end of that year um, my engineer, that was his very first year in the category. So it was my first year driving in that category, his first mm. year engineering in that category. So it was kind of like the blind leading the blind. We had no idea what, what was going on. And that's kind of, that kind of sucked because, you know, we didn't have a really good um, direction or lead or something because we were both learning at the same time, which is not ideal. Ideally, you'd want like a super experienced engineer to teach a young kid what goes on and how to set the car up and, and almost how to drive it, even though I'm I'm a professional driver, the engineer can sort of dictate that as well. But yeah, it was nuts, man. I I hate I still hate losing, but these days there's only a couple of cars that can win. <laughs> even though I'd like to consider myself a car that can win, it it rarely happens because you know it's just it's heavily based on science and engineering and getting the most yeah. out of the car. Even though as a driver, I think I get the most out of the car all the time. Um, sometimes the car's not fast enough. Mm. Why is Jamie Wincup so good? Well, Wincup was, he was, he's always, he's always been good through his whole career in everything yeah. he's drove, which, which all us drivers are all the same. But when he went to Triple Eight, that's when he started winning all his races. And when you think about it, he's only won all his races with one team. So do you reckon so, it's like stability? Well, stability, that team's obviously a very, very, very good team. Um, and you just wouldn't let the team obviously a good driver. Yeah, mate, you, you got to be... It's like Formula 1. Yeah, if Hamilton went to McLaren, how would he go? Yeah, exactly right. Nowhere. You know, it's... it's, it's our, our sport, It's it has a very small component of, of human element when 
when driving, but all very, very, very large engineering and and I suppose physics based component where you know the car's changing weight all the time and it's about controlling the weight with the tire and maximizing the tire grip at the time. Yeah, it, did it sounds really simple. Any of, do you bother watching any of your competitors, or is that something that just pretty much because of what you just spoke about then with the science and the technology? It pretty much there's no real point. Yeah, there, there, there's there's a little point to watching them, but there's also no real point. You know, they might have, for argument's sake, they might have a hundred pound spring, and we might be a two hundred pound spring, which is double. But you know, they might have half the roll center, which makes up. So they might have double the roll center we do, which makes up the same sort of balance number at the end of the day. It's you, you kind of. It's it's like looking at that cake thing again. You don't know how much of one substance they have more than the other and whatnot. So it's it's just a really, really funny sport, man. And you've got to come check it out, and I'll try and explain more about it. Ah, it intrigues the hell out you of should, me, hey? Yeah, come. Do you live near Newcastle? Come to Newcastle, and I'll, I'll try and explain as much as I can to you. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. When's that on? Um, I think it's December the 3rd, I think. We'll work out the dates, definitely. Well, uh, definitely come yeah. for that, man. Where are yeah, they Newcastle. doing, Newey? Uh, around the foreshore somewhere. Mate, Newcastle so it's actually, they're off. close to roads in that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, they've, they've, um, they've started doing the circuit and they had to dig up all the roads and retar them all. They had a drama that when they dug up all the roads, I think there was all asbestos laid. <laughs> there was a big <laughs> shit fight going on at the minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Newcastle... It's, it's an old sort of town, isn't it? And, and all the roads around the foreshore are really old and they started digging them up and apparently there was all asbestos under them, which caused a big shit fight. But yeah, man, it's going to be off its face. Like we did a fan day there a couple of weeks ago. No, sorry, a couple of months ago. And 15,000 people turned up just for a fan day. It was crazy, man. It was un- unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and there's not a lot around Newcastle, so... I'll be up for that. I remember we went to uni games there back in the early 2000s and we had a few days there in a row and it was pretty good. Yeah, it's a good town. (laughs) You're more than welcome to come. I'll look after you. I'm definitely going to come. You don't get experience and get to be with Team Erebus with Dave Reynolds all the time, brother. So I'm coming for sure. (laughs) I'm just an idiot, really. Hey, Dave, tell me, we were talking before we got on air about investing and... You know, things outside of racing like entrepreneurship and things like that. You know, when you were young, man, you were raising money in sponsorship. You probably don't even realize that at the time you you were selling yourself. And what did a car cost yeah. back then? Like four fifty, five hundred grand just to put on the road? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I suppose motor racing is expensive. And until you get to the very top, you're always kind of paying your way. So you got to find find sponsorships and, and kind of sell yourself the best you can. And I was so lucky. I had really, really good people looking after me. Sponsorship. Yeah, almost selling yeah. yourself. And I had some really, really good people around me um, to sort of get me to the next level. My old man, is he's a dentist, so he makes decent money, but he can only help me to a certain point in my life. And then it was up to me to sort of make out the rest and fund the rest. And, and somehow I made it all happen. I think my last year of DVS was was like the V8 Supercar Development Series. I put this deal together. I got like, I had a free engineer. I got free engines, free technical support, and I paid a team to run my car and employ the people. And it still cost me about 460 grand a year, I think. Wow. And I just made it. It was crazy, crazy, crazy money. I did deals like... Um, I did like third part. I, I call them third party sales. So I got I got a, I was sponsored by Bob Jane T Marts in um in my Carrera Cup, and I know Rod pretty well. Yeah. And I got a logistics the first company that you to do all. No, no, no. Like Rod didn't sponsor me that year. It was kind of indirectly. Yeah. Um, I got a logistics company to do all Bob Jane T Marts like uh, logistics and freighting and stuff. And I got a cut out of that as like a salesman sort of thing. So that's why I call it third party sales because <laughs> I'm the third parties doing the selling. It's, it's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. I still joke about it today. It's smart, but I've done done chunky deals like that all my whole life. 
So really, I'm just a stupid salesman. But so yeah, I'm investing. At the I don't, time, you're 20. Mate, at the time I was 20, 21, trying to find half a million dollars every year. And you did it. Sounds it's kind like, of stupid. Yeah, I did it. I made it. Made it all work. Made it all happen. Um, what did you say to him about Dave? Like, what was you, your main selling point? Well, there was that, like the third party sales thing. I'd try and get in business, and or some people just wanted exposure. Like Purple Pig was a really good sponsor of mine in the early days. Purple Pig was a uh, like a hose and fitting sort of brand. They're not around anymore. Yeah, it sucks, so but they just wanted ex- Hey, they just wanted exposure, do- and yeah, okay. And you know, they use my IP and. I don't know. They were a fantastic sponsor. <laughs> Purple Pig. Who'd have thought Purple Pig would be a <laughs> hose and fitting company? Yeah. So you know, you know, you've got a long career still to go. Because realistically, how old are you now? Thirty-one. Are you? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Getting old. You looked twenty-eight, mate. But oh, thanks. Realistically, for a racer, you know, you might still have what fifteen years left. Minimum. Oh, yeah. So, most, most people race till yeah, the 40s, in their 40s, early 40s. So, yeah, I've still got a bit of time left. Yeah, I spoke to John Bell the other day. He's still doing these, like, touring car masters or something. Yeah, yeah JB still, still yeah, pods around. <laughs> he still loves it. But, he loves know, it, yeah. Have you thought about, like, other interests? You know, we spoke before about trading stocks and things like that. So, obviously, you're getting into some good investments and things like that as well. I'm always always interested in stuff like that, but I'd. It's kind of funny right now. I always see there's everyone making money these days, and but usually, like when you look back at them, you talk to people that have been around for a long time. It's always, you know, properties going good and stocks aren't going good, or stocks going good, properties not going good. But it seems like everything's going good these days, which is in mm. for me, it's an indicator that there's something bad happening. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the, the same. I'm a little yet. bit cautious at the moment. It's yeah, I'm just cautious. It's just everything just, yeah, like you said, just seems too good to be true. The amount of leverage, I reckon, in the economy is just out of control. And it's especially out of control, man. When you've got things like North Korea happening, it's like a ticking time bomb. So Yeah. Almost want a world war to happen to bring the price down in Melbourne so I can buy a house. Because <laughs> <laughs> right now, mine, I'm not going to buy a house in Melbourne because it's too... Too expensive and stupid because like it's yeah. it's 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 crap this 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 uh property market because say if you wanted to buy a house and you looked at that house a year ago it'd be a million dollars yeah so just argument's sake a million dollars 12 months later they go okay general uh, if you went to buy that same house they go okay general prices uh increase around this area about 13 percent so we're just going to add 13 percent onto this price into this property so now you've got to pay 1.13, even though it's still the same house it was a year ago. They just naturally inflated themselves due to the real, I don't know, real estates. And I don't, I don't, know, I don't understand how it can be like that. It seems to oh, be mate. that's how it's going. Yeah, and, and even in Sydney, mate, some of the auctions that you see on the weekend and they post them in the newspapers, some of the shitholes that are going for multi-million dollars, it, it is crazy. It's crazy. It doesn't make sense. That's why I'm moving to Gold Coast. I'm trying to make my missus move to Gold Coast. Are you going to move? Seems... I'd love to. I'd love to be up there. Melbourne's a, Melbourne's a good good city, but it's just, it's shit. It really yeah. is. Traffic's Actually, out you know of what? control. A lot of my cousins have moved up there lately, and some of the properties that they've been getting for for the equivalent of what they were paying in Sydney, man, like they're nearly like right on the beach, big kind yeah. of four or five bedroom Back houses. Then. Yeah, exactly. And there's just it's awesome. just so peaceful when you're driving around up there, like going from A to B. It's just the dream. I'm sure Melbourne's probably catching up to Sydney now. You go to Woolies and it takes you half an hour. <laughs> it sucks, man. It sucks down here. And the weather's not very good. Um, even though there's a lot of sport to watch around in Melbourne, I don't actually go watch any of it. So I don't. I'm, I've been here for, since 2004. I'm kind of just over it. I just want to change in my life. My whole life, I've always wanted to live in different places, different cities, different countries. Yeah. And because of my job and my career, I've only been stuck in one city, which is cool. I, you know, I love my my sport more than ever. Um, How does that affect your, your team, but Dave? No, not not a hell of a lot. I asked them about it, and they said, "Yeah, cool. You can go do whatever you want." Um, you know, there's actually no obligation for for me to go to 
the race shop every day. As long as I am fit and do my do my notes and my debrief and pre-brief and stuff. Um, if it ever became an issue, if I did was to move, of course I'd move back. You know, my my job's everything to me, or my you know my sports everything to me. All right, Dave. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to know. Have you got any tips for investments? Let me know. More <laughs> I'll email them through. Gold, silver, pink diamonds. I don't care. I mean, <laughs> we do a lot of raisings here, mate. So I'm sure that I'll be in touch. Yeah, sweet. All right, Dave. A couple of questions before I let you leave because uh, we've been chatting for 50 minutes and I've taken way too much Have of your we? time here, brother. Wow. All right. I need to know why do you pick number nine as your car number, bro? Number nine goes with the license number, so I think it was the ninth nine. I don't know. It goes with the license number generally. And these days, it's it's kind of it's kind of crap that no driver gets to keep their number or choose their number. Um, it's it kind of goes with the team and the license number itself. So yeah, nine's it. Mm. All right, romantic side of you now. So you, your girlfriend's name's Tan, right? Tahan, yeah, Tahan. Tahan. All <laughs> right, so you guys went to Red Rooster. I'm, I've heard on your first date. What was your yeah, pickup line, or bird. did she pick up you? Oh, uh, I don't. It was kind of really weird at the start. I don't can't remember how it all happened. Uh, she was a grid girl for Bodlo in 2012, and she had a boyfriend at the time and. And once that sort of failed, her past relationship, I kind of stepped in. <laughs> so you were massively stalking her on Facebook and stuff. Big time. Big time. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, my very first day, I took her to the Red Rooster at Bathurst. I think I picked her up on the Saturday night um, <laughs> after the shootout. And she was really hungry because she was working late that night for Bodlo. And yeah, I had, she goes, I'm really, really hungry. There's nothing open. This is like at, I don't know, nine o'clock at night. And we drove, went drive through uh, Red Rooster. <laughs> so lame, isn't it? So, shit. <laughs> so disappointed in myself. But you, I've, since then, I've made her so many dinners that have been like Michelin star chef stuff that it's all made up. <laughs> uh, you're the man. Final one, man. A while ago, we talked about you doing a podcast. Are we going to see a podcast from Dave Reynolds? <laughs> uh, maybe maybe one day. I think where I am in my life and my position in the sport, I can't do it the way I want to do it because it would be really, really loose and really funny. <laughs> and Wait, some I would be get... awesome. I've been thinking about it. I reckon you and your missus should do it together and interview all your mates from the track, or obviously she's she's a model and things like that, so I'm sure she knows heaps of like high-profile people. And just She probably does, I reckon, yeah. I reckon it would come together really well. So I've seen what you so. guys do on social media and you've got a nice little banter thing happening, so I reckon it would go real good. Uh, that's a good idea. Maybe one day, but right, for me right now, we I do one with the Fox Motorsport people, Fox Motorsport, um, like supercars wrap we do most after every race and stuff, so... I'm kind of getting the taste of it that way, but it's it's still not what I wanted. It's too much, too much um, information. I always want to talk way more shit and just go off on tangents and talk rubbish, <laughs> just about <laughs> nothing, and just 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 talk dog shit. I always say, but uh, yeah, for, for me, I'd I'd offend way too many people, and I'd be way too honest and open, and and for for um, where I am in my in the category, and you know, for the sport, I'm not doing it right now. Maybe when I when I leave the sport, I'll do it. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I appreciate you coming I'd on get today. Myself, I'd, let... I'd get myself in so much trouble. I'd, I'd tell you, I'd get myself in so much trouble. I'd tell all <laughs> the <laughs> secrets and everything. I'd just, I'd just be horrible. <laughs> it'd be like a really a cool rating show. To. It would, it would rate the fantastic. house down. I know, but I don't think our sport's ready for it yet. Oh, mate, you will set a trend. Now, Dave, before I let you leave, everyone start following Dave online if you want to check him out. He's www.davidreynolds.com.au. Facebook, Dave Reynolds V8 Supercar. He's most active on his Instagram and Twitter. He's Dafford, named by his cousin, Reynolds. D-A-F-F-I-D, Dafford. So get following if you want to see him do a podcast, put some pressure on him, tag in some posts, and we'll get this straight out of Dave. 
Dave, my man, thanks so much for stopping by the show, bud. Um, I'll see you no worries, hopefully me. in a couple of months' time. Let me know what you're doing with the UFC. Yeah, come to Newcastle, man, or I'll look after you. I'll show you what it's all about. That sounds great, man. I'll be in touch. And I'll be in touch about some stocks and stuff too, buddy. Yeah, keep me in the loop. I'm keen as. Sure. <laughs> you got any IPOs going? You know what? As soon as, because we've got reporting season just finishing. So as soon as that's done, I think we'll probably get stuck in again. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but I'll let you know. You're right, first man. call. Thanks, man. All right, Dave, you have a great night, man. You too, man. I'll speak to you later. Guys, we hope you enjoyed the episode with David Reynolds. Please go out and support him. If you haven't yet, please add him on Twitter and Instagram. He's quite the laugh. He's Daffod Reynolds on both on both social medias. Be out if you're out there supporting him on the day. Go out, you know, Dave's one of the most personal personal and, you know, guys that you can actually, you know, interact with out on the track. So Bathurst 1000, 5th to 8th of October. I'm sure you have a great time for anyone going down there. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this show via iTunes. You can also check it out on Stitcher. Or if you've got an Android, please check out www.talkingwithtk.com. I'd love to hear from what you think of the show and also guests that you want to have coming on. So please get in contact, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com, or you can find me on Facebook at Tristan Cannell or TalkingWithTK or Instagram, Tristan Nell, TNL Fitness on Twitter. But until next week, I've enjoyed bringing you this one. Dave's a great guy. Please, like I said, support him all the way in Bathurst. I think he's going to put in a pretty impressive performance. But until next week, I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.